Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. One Church, Happy Easter to you all. You can go ahead and take your seats. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It really is just brilliant to have you all here in church with us today, whether you're gathered in the auditorium or even if you're part of our online family watching church in your pyjamas. You know that we're all jealous of you, but we're glad that you are here. And let me just say this from the jump. Um, If maybe church isn't ordinarily what you do, kind of like you've been dragged here today because somebody's promised you like a roast dinner or they're going to fit your skirt and boards if you'll come to church with them today. And you're here and you're a bit like, man, I don't really know what it is that I've come to. And I don't even know what I believe about God, let alone the whole Easter story and Jesus being raised from the dead. Are you seriously expecting me to believe all of that? Like, I just want you to know, look, hey, there is no pressure for you to believe anything right now. We're just so glad and happy that you are here in church with us as our guest. And we want you to know that we've all been where you are sat right now, that feeling of apprehensiveness and just unsure. We just want you to know, man, we consider you as part of our friends and our family if you are here today for the very first time. In a moment, we're going to jump into our Easter talk today, but I think that I just want to maybe get something off my chest first. I feel burdened somewhat to share something with the group today. And that is that last week, my wife Emma was doing the talk and she brought into play some things that I felt were a little bit underhand because she made out that she was going to talk to the wider church and you might have felt that she was speaking to you, but I want you to know she in fact was not Because whilst I was sat on the front row listening to her speak about one particular element of her message last week, her eyes were firmly fixed on me. And she was, I think, trying to communicate in that subliminal way that you wives are very at doing sometimes for us men. And she was trying to make a point publicly that I feel should have been made privately. So I'm just going to call her out a little bit. So she made out that some people spend years of their life looking for their mobile phone. Well, when she says some people, what she actually meant was me. And um, it's not just my mobile phone that I lose regularly. So I want to let you have all the confessions up front, but it's that and my wallet. And it happens like twice a day. But what you don't know, which I think is some what of a surprise to me, and you'll probably be shocked, horrified in fact, um, is that every time that I lose my mobile phone, she likes to get out her phone because she's so perfect, she always knows where her phone is. And whilst I am stressing out at the lack of my ability to locate my phone, this is what she does. She videos the whole thing. What are you looking for, looking for, Luke? <laughs> Now, I just want you to know that like for the one video that we're showing in church today, she has an iPhone that is full of hundreds of those that whenever I don't do something that she feels like I should be doing, she threatens me. You know, she says, well, I'll just post another one on social media. So I feel like if I let you all know that that's her plan and that's what she's up to, it kind of like completely takes away all the power that she has over me in life, okay? But you know, when it comes to being surprised, it's not just when we lose things that we end up being surprised. I think that life, in fact, is full of surprises. 
I mean, who would have thought that just the other week that Will Smith would have gotten up mid-Oscar and given Chris Rock a right good slap about the face? I mean, I don't know about you, but I did not expect that. I didn't see it coming. I think that many of us probably feel similar in 2022 about COVID. I mean, we probably can't even believe that this is still a thing that sometimes hits the headlines. And for for as much as everything's way better than what it was, we all know that, and thank God for the vaccine and all of that sort of stuff. But but the bottom line is, is that, that we didn't expect to still be here two years later on from the start of this pandemic. It's come as a huge surprise. To many of us, it's completely blindsided us. Or we could talk about other political worldwide events. What about the war in Ukraine right now? I mean, aren't you shocked and surprised at those images that we started to see nearly two months ago when those Russian troops started to invade Ukraine? I mean, it's just horrific. It just blindsides you. It surprises you. It makes you feel somewhat uncertain because it feels like you've no clue what's happening around you. And I think that it's true for me as it's true for you that life for each and every one of us, whether you're a Jesus person or not, whether you're a church person or not, life is full of surprises. Good surprises and bad surprises. And in fact, if you wanna really talk about some of the biggest surprises that have ever been in history, well, you've gotta really start to talk about Easter. Now, I get it. Easter, what we see and what we think about right now might be not necessarily that much of a surprise because we know where this service is going. We know the story. But way back during the first Easter, nobody had a clue about what we now know to be the Easter story. I mean, there were followers of Jesus that felt like God's hand was on his life and they would follow him wherever he would go. But like they were not ready at all to see Jesus, their saviour, arrested, beaten, tried at an illegal court, crucified. And let me tell you this, they certainly weren't expecting him to ever be brought back to life. I mean, that's, that's the story that they knew back then and it's so different to what we know today. Because what we know today about Easter is, well, it's a time of celebration, isn't it? Like the, the band are going, the inflatables are going, like the church food's going, there's a great big celebration and we're so thankful and appreciative to God, our heavenly Father, because we acknowledge that he gave and sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to put on flesh and walk amongst us in the form of a man, and that his one and only son's life, it was given so that those that put their faith in him can have not only everlasting life, but a real and authentic relationship with him. Like that's the Easter story that we know, but it's not where it started out. I mean, if you think about those early disciples, those early followers of Jesus, nobody saw the crucifixion coming. And certainly nobody saw Jesus ever being raised back to life from the dead. Why? Because you don't either. We know that that's not a thing. When you're dead, you're dead. There's no coming back to life. So the idea that Jesus might have come back to life, well, that came as a huge shock and surprise to these early followers of Jesus too, because they didn't see his death coming. So if you wanna talk about things that take you by surprise, if you wanna talk about times and seasons that we all have in our own life, where maybe you've felt too that you've experienced great loss, 
Like maybe you've lost a loved one and it doesn't seem fair to you because they were a great guy and you thought they'd be with you forever. And now you've lost them and you don't know what to do with the emptiness that you feel on the inside. Well, you would get on really well with the disciples because they experienced the exact same feeling too, all around what we now know as the first Easter. If you've ever experienced a season in your life that feels like this is just chaos, this is just carnage, like nothing's going right at home, nothing's going right in the family, nothing's going right in the marriage with the kids, nothing's going right in the career, and it just feels to you that you just keep getting blindsided by surprise after bad surprise after bad surprise. Well, I think that you'd get on very well with the disciples because the first Easter story, they felt like their world was imploding too. Or if you've ever felt the tension of feeling like it just doesn't seem like you've got any options that are available to you anymore. These disciples would have known exactly what that felt like too. You know, the kind of like times when you are approaching a situation in life and it just seems to you like the options that are available to you aren't really great options and you're not really gonna employ them. So what that leaves you feeling is you have no options. These disciples felt exactly the same thing when they had seen Jesus crucified on the cross. And nobody more than Peter. Peter, he's a fascinating character to me, one of my favourite characters in all of Scripture. And I want to start off today's talk by reading to you about the very first time that Jesus had an interaction with Peter, whose name was also Simon, when Jesus went down to the beach and found Simon Peter and his brother fishing. It's the very first conversation that's found between Jesus and Peter that happens on the beach in Matthew 4. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers. They were Simon, his other name Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were putting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you fish for men. At once they left their nets and followed him. So what we find in this very first interaction is Jesus having a conversation at the beach with Simon Peter and his brother Andrew when he basically interrupts their very ordinary working day. It would be similar to maybe Jesus just turning up at your workplace, like the hospital ward or the shop front or the workhouse or wherever it is that you work, the warehouse, sorry, like wherever it is that you spend your time, it would be like Jesus just turning and trapping up at your place of work because that's exactly what Jesus did here. And I want you to know right from the off, this is pretty encouraging to me because when I read scripture, I always wanna ask myself the question, what's really going on? And the fact that Jesus takes himself off to Peter's place of work and he engages in this conversation with him on the beach, it just lets me know that actually Jesus went to Peter where he was. In other words, he didn't have any expectation on Peter to maybe wear a particular set of clothes if he was gonna have an interaction with Jesus. He didn't place anything upon him like, you need to behave this way. You need to clean up your life first before you have a conversation with Jesus. Neither was he saying that you need to act this way. You need to be appropriate. He didn't say any of that. What we find is that Jesus went down to Peter to where he was and he met him according to who he was doing whatever it was that he was doing which in this story was fishing. And I think it's exactly the same for us today. 
Jesus is still willing to meet you exactly where you are in life. Like you don't have to do anything. You don't have to put on your Sunday best. What was that about anyway? You don't have to be aware. You don't have to clean your life up before you think about starting a conversation with Jesus. It's just not the expectation that Jesus places upon you. But then the second thing that's in the start of this story in this interaction on the beach between Jesus and Peter that fascinates me is the observation that it points out Peter's occupation. It tells us that he was a fisherman. And that's so crucial in the context of Peter's life. And the reason why it's crucial is because what would happen in the education system for all of those in school is that if they were highly educated and if they were the top of the class, the best of the best, then what they would do is they would start to study what's referred to as the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And if you were super smart, had really high EQ going on, like you were just super intelligent, then you would be encouraged to stay in school and continue your studies, where you would go and learn the Torah at a greater level of depth. And if you were the best of the best of the best in that class, then eventually you'd keep going up the levels before you'd be invited to come and follow a rabbi. And this was like the most prestigious job or calling that you could ever get as a student in and around Galilee at this time. It would be like the most amazing thing to happen to you. So the fact that it tells us that Jesus' first interaction with Peter happened on the beach whilst Peter was out fishing tells us that he was already plying the family trade. He was following in the footsteps of his father. In other words, he didn't make the grade. He wasn't the best of the best. Peter and his brother didn't make the cut. They weren't encouraged to stay on in the education system. Neither were they given the opportunity to follow a rabbi. They were told to go and ply the family business. And that's what we find today. And yet it's amazing, isn't it, that Jesus encounters Peter when he's not the best of the best, the top of the class, the most smartest, the most educated, and yet he calls him and says to him, come and follow me. And when Jesus was speaking to Peter, he was saying to Peter, I want you to come and utilise your life for something way bigger and accomplish way more than you could ever accomplish on your own. Because Jesus knew that within the hearts of men, there were dreams and visions and ambitions. You know, in the same way that you've got dreams and ambitions of wanting to achieve, of wanting to succeed. Jesus knew this about Peter. So he says to Peter, why don't you come and follow me? Come and be part of my group. Like come and be part of this brand new God movement that's happening on the planet. Why don't you bring your life and play your part in all that God is gonna do amongst the world? And so we see the story continue and Peter and Andrew say yes to Jesus. They go and follow him. But it's not the only occasion that Jesus has ever had a conversation with Peter on the beach. You know, we're here today because we're gathering to celebrate Easter. That's why we're gonna worship some more in a little while and we're gonna sing out loud because we celebrate all that we now believe God has done for us through sending Jesus to die on a cross. But whilst this first Easter story is being created, the disciples were not expecting to have to see Jesus arrested, 
They certainly weren't expecting to have to witness there being a crown of thorns pushed into the top of his skull. They were not expecting to have to witness him beaten black and blue by the Roman soldiers that had control of him. And they were certainly not expecting to see his body pierced with some nine inch nails through his skin and hung out to die on a tree that we now know as the crucifixion. They weren't expecting that to happen. And as they watched Jesus's blood literally physically drip and drain away from him on that cross, so did their hopes and dreams and aspirations drip away from their hearts too. They thought that Jesus was gonna change the world and now they were watching him crucified. For as much as they witnessed Jesus fight for every last gasp of oxygen and breath, they too, as they watched that disappear from his lungs, saw all of their dreams and ambitions disappear too. Because to them, Jesus, he was the real deal. Because to these early followers of Jesus, they had witnessed and seen and believed that God's hand was all over the life of Jesus. Because they would go wherever he would go. Having been invited to come and follow him, when Jesus would travel from city to city, they would go with him. And when Jesus would conduct these amazing supernatural miracles, they got to be first-hand witnesses of all of this. Like people would be healed, the blind would have their eyes restored to them, lives were changed and they saw this firsthand. They got to see Jesus' love on the unlovable. They got to hear Jesus speak out against injustice and oppression. They got to hear Jesus speak up on behalf of women and they felt like this truly was the Son of God and this was a man to be followed and yet no one, no one was expecting to see Jesus arrested and crucified on the cross. Like on that day, all of their hopes, dreams and ambitions were completely ripped from the depth of their soul. It's almost like in the same way that you and I have hopes that sometimes don't materialise, these early disciples, they knew too what it was like to have hopes that don't quite work out. And you might have hopes and dreams and aspirations that maybe one day you'll fall in love and have a wife or a husband. You too might be in church today and have a hope or a dream that maybe one day you'll start a family, that maybe one day you'll get out of the dead end job and then you'll pursue the career that you've been dreaming and incubating in your heart for decades. You too know what it's like to have a hope or a dream that one day you'll be healthy again and get over the sickness. You know what it's like to have a dream, a desire to maybe lose the weight they or get over witnessed. your health challenge. We all know what it's like to have hopes and dreams and aspirations. And we also, like the disciples, know what it feels like when it seems as though those hopes and dreams won't come true. Because when they watched Jesus die on the cross, nobody was thinking that Jesus was gonna be brought back to life. Nobody was expecting that. And in and amongst all of the confusion and all of the chaos and all of the carnage after Jesus had died on the cross, when God brought him back to life, we find that he goes again and has another conversation with the same Peter on a very similar beach 
again. Let's go to the scriptures. John 21 says this. After Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. So early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, got any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped up his outer garment. He wrapped up his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water. How crazy is that? The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So now what we find is Peter and some of the early disciples, the early followers of Jesus, they have no clue what is going on around them because everything that they were expecting to happen, well, that's not gonna happen anymore. They were expecting that Jesus was gonna be their savior. He was gonna be the one that brings about a revolution, that they overthrow the Roman occupation and the empire that's governing all of the Jewish people. Well, now that's not gonna happen because what they've just witnessed, it's horrific. They've just seen Jesus, the one in whom they had placed all of their hope, arrested, beaten like a criminal, before being tried at an illegal court, and then they see him crucified on a cross. And they're not expecting anything good to come from this. And we know that because, well, they're all hanging out together in a house. They're all scared, they're confused. All of their hopes have gone. Their dreams have been dashed. And I'll tell you where they're not. Nobody is hanging outside the tomb, waiting for the stone to roll away. It's not like Peter's just nipping out to get all the Prosecco in. And as the sun is coming up, they're all waiting there, counting down from 10, nine, eight. In a minute, Jesus is gonna come back to life. Seven, six, nobody was doing that because nobody was expecting the resurrection. Nobody was expecting Jesus to come back to life. So they're all at home, not knowing what to do. So Peter just shouts up and says this. He goes, hey guys, I've had enough of this. I'm not sitting around moping around anymore. I'm through, I'm done. I'm going fishing. And he turns to the guys and he's saying to them, I'm gonna go back now and head off to do the very thing that I was doing before I knew Jesus like before I knew who God was, before I'd placed my hope in Him, I'm gonna go back now to doing the very thing that I started out to do. And then what's interesting is Tom and Nathan, they all shout up as well. And they're like, well, if he's going, 
I've got nothing else to do. I might as well go with him. And they all go, all five of them. They head back down to the beach and they all choose to go fishing. And what's interesting to me is that same sentiment that Peter was carrying, that idea of forget this. This whole Jesus thing hasn't worked out. Everything that I thought was gonna happen hasn't. And everything that I'd hoped would happen now won't happen. And this sentiment of, well, what's the point of following Jesus anymore? He's died, there's no point in this. I'm just gonna head back to do the very thing that I was doing before I knew God. Well, we do this all the time because the reality of it is, is we're not that different from Peter. The reality is, is we do this same thing all the time too. When we feel like this whole Jesus thing isn't working out, we head back to the very thing that we were doing before we knew God as well, to the place where maybe even Jesus found us. And for you and I, it might not be fishing, but I bet you there's an equivalent. When we carry that sentiment of, well, it's not working out with Jesus now, what's the point in putting my faith in God anymore? I'm gonna go back to doing the thing that I was doing before. And as Peter did that, it just shows us that we're just like him too, because we all do the same thing. Peter was saying, I'm going back to the family business. I'm going back to being a fisherman. It's what I've always known. It's what I've always done. We do the same thing. We head back to the addiction. We head back to the illustrious relationship. We head back to the thing that we know isn't all that great for us. We head back to the unhealthy habit that we know is not gonna add any value to it. In those times when we feel like, well, Jesus, where are you? Do you even know what I'm going through? Do you even care? Because really, we're just the same. And in the conversation that Jesus was having with Peter when he had gone fishing, it continues in verse 15, and it says this. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. In verse 17, he says, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, when Jesus was saying to Peter at this second encounter on the beach, come and feed my sheep, it wasn't because Jesus was a rancher and he had like a great big farm business on the side, okay? It was because Jesus was saying to Peter the very same thing that he'd once said on the beach just a few years earlier. He was saying, come and follow me. He was saying, come and be a part of what God is doing on the planet. He was saying, Peter, why don't you use your life to play a part in something that is way bigger than you could ever accomplish on your own? Come and follow me. 
It's interesting to me that Jesus says to Peter three times, not twice, not four times, but three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds and says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And he's like, of course I love you. And the third time, Peter starts to get a bit vexed. He's getting a bit angered. He's probably thinking like, why do you keep on asking me all of this time? Do I still love you? And yet, when you look into the context of Peter's life, maybe we can now start to understand why Jesus was asking that question three times. Because this was Peter, who if you know anything about Peter's life, you may know that Peter was the one who immediately following the arrest of Jesus, he ran away from all of the disciples and he was found by a campfire where he was first interviewed by a young girl who said to him, hey, aren't you one of the Jesus people? Aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? And he said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know the man. I'm nothing to do with that group. And Peter denied Jesus three times on three separate occasions. And I just wonder whether or not Jesus on that second encounter on the beach with Peter, when he's asking him three times, do you still love me? Maybe he was trying to remind Peter that I don't want you to live in the mistakes and the denial of your past where you screwed up three times, Peter. But rather than that, know this, that I've asked you three times, do you love me? because he's way more focused on your future than he is on anything that's hidden in the skeletons or the closets of your past. So he says to him, Peter, I want you to come and follow me. I want you to come and feed the sheep. I want you to come and play a part on the planet that only you can play, that nobody else can take the role that I've got especially for you. And he's just not trying to cover anything up about Peter's past. But what Jesus is doing is this, He's not giving him an invitation to follow him because he's already received that invitation way back in Matthew 4. We read it earlier. What Jesus is doing at the beach on this second occasion is giving Peter an invitation to follow him again. He's giving Peter an invitation to trust in him again. He's giving Peter an invitation to come and be a part of all that God is wanting to do throughout humanity again, even though he'd heard it once and he'd walked away and he'd made some errors and he'd made some mistakes. Jesus was wanting to give him the invitation again. And I think that Jesus was trying to convey to Peter, I've still got a crazy plan for your life, Peter. I've still got a purpose for you to exist on the planet. And I want you to know, Peter, that it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter about the mistakes that you've made. I want you to know that I know your name and I wanna call you into my family and be in an intimate relationship with you that's real and authentic. He was saying to Peter, look, I am still calling you. So my question to you today is, have you ever had a moment like Peter had? Because when Peter turned around and he was like, that's it, I'm done, I'm going fishing. This was what Peter was doing. He was in essence saying, Man, I'm so surprised, I'm so shocked by all of these events. I'm gonna go back to what I previously did before I had a relationship with God because I don't know if I can trust God anymore. I don't know if I can be a part of a church anymore. I don't know if I can be a Jesus follower anymore. He was doing the exact same thing that we do when we get taken by surprise too. He was doing the exact same thing that we do in our lives when we feel like all hope is gone, all of our dreams have gone, all of our ambitions and aspirations are gonna not amount to anything. He was just walking away saying, because I can't see a way out of this, I'm just gonna throw my life into whatever existed before I knew God. And we do this all of the time. 
Now, it might not be for you the term going fishing, but you've got your own going fishing equivalent, right? Because for some of you, you've well and truly gone fishing. You've turned your back on God. You've turned your back on church. Maybe you've been hurt and I get it and we would not want this to be a place where church hurt would ever happen. But I can't promise you that because we're just normal, irregular people who are broken and a bit messed up sometimes and completely imperfect in all of our ways. But we're following a very perfect, loving, kind and considerate God. That's who we follow. So for each and every one of us, we've probably got our own gone fishing equivalent. For those of you that have walked away, I mean, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe you're trying to find answers in the base of a beer bottle, but you know that doesn't really help. Sure, it eases the pain momentarily. Sure, it lets you escape for a matter of hours, but it doesn't fix anything. Like for others of you, you've thrown your life back into some of the habitual destructive patterns that was the makeup of your life before you even knew who Jesus was. Like you're so hooked on pornography and you know that it's not helpful to your life. Like it's killing you and eating you from the inside and you don't want that habit, but it's where your life is at right now. That's your gone fishing. I mean, for others, it's like you're just stuck on substance abuse. For others, it's just habits that don't lead to anything good. Maybe you're a workaholic, a shopaholic, a gymaholic, an eataholic, like whatever. We've all got our own equivalents of going fishing. Maybe you're just chasing the money. Chasing all of the materialistic items. If you just get the new house, the new car, the new thing, then maybe your world will amount to something. And yet I want you to know that your life does not amount to anything whilst it's outside of a real and authentic relationship with your Maker in heaven because you were made for relationship with Him. You were created and put on the planet so that you can intimately know who your heavenly Father is. How? Well, by putting your faith in Jesus, by choosing to follow Him again. And this very same thing that Jesus was saying to Peter on that day at the beach a second time, this second invitation to come and follow me is the same thing that I believe that Jesus says to each and every one of you today. He says, look, it doesn't matter about your history, your past. Maybe you're in church today feeling like, like you're just not a Jesus person. God would want nothing to do with you. I wanna guarantee you, you are exactly the type of person that God would want something intimately to do with. Like He would be all over you if only He would be given the chance or the option. Because what was true for Peter is also true for us. Peter had to make a decision. At some point, Peter had to come up with the goods and decide how he was gonna respond to Jesus on the beach. When Jesus says to him, come and follow me, And when John points out to him, you know, look, I think that it's Jesus on the beach. It tells us that Peter wrapped up his little man dress that he was wearing, jumped out of the boat and goes running through the water. And as Jesus is saying to him, come and follow me, Peter is like, I might not have a life that's all together, but Jesus, if you're asking, I'm in. And I want you to know that that's your response that can be towards your heavenly Father today. As He beckons you and calls you home, I have one question for you as we close. Where is your relationship with God at? How do you stand relationally with Jesus today? And and I get it, you've got a story to tell and it's probably far worse than the story that I can tell. And you've got a history of events that would give you a thousand and one reasons to never put your faith in God. But, But there's something that's happening on the inside of your heart right now that makes you know that that's missing and lacking. It's it's a void in your heart. 
Well, right now, in a moment, we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me today if you want to respond to Jesus in the same way that Peter responded when Jesus said, come and follow me. This right now is gonna be your moment to respond and say, I'm gonna follow Jesus. So as a church family, can we all stand to our feet? Because right now we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna have to ask every single one of us, whether that's in the auditorium or on the mares, even online, to just spend a short moment. Can we just bow our heads together and just close our eyes? Because right now, this is a holy moment between you and your maker in heaven. And I'm gonna say a prayer. And if you want to, echo that answer in your heart that says, I wanna follow Jesus. You might not be able to work it all out. You might not understand everything that's going on right now. You might not be able to give the clearest account of everything that you think you're expected to believe. But the reality of it is there's something going on on the depth of your soul right now that says, I need this in my life. Maybe you've known it before and walked away, but you've been fishing for years whilst every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you want to respond and come to follow Jesus, then pray this prayer in your heart after me right now. Heavenly Father, today I wanna to be a Christian and I wanna to choose to follow you. I wanna answer your call to play my part on the planet. So I'm asking you to come and live in my heart. I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin and wrongdoing that stops me living life in complete relationship with you. So I'm giving you my life and I'm giving you my heart because I believe that you're real. And I believe you gave Jesus Christ as your one and only Son to die on a cross for me so that I can know you. And now with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, in just literally a minute's time, the band are gonna sing and we're gonna worship. But if you have prayed that prayer today, and if you have said those words in your heart, in response to Jesus' call to you to come and follow Him, if you have prayed that prayer to become a Christian, then right now with nobody else looking around, I want you to be bold and brave and courageous. And I just want you right now to just shoot your hand up in the air. Just show me, be bold. Down here, anyone else? There, brilliant. Anyone else here? Yeah, on the side there, amazing as well. Over here, brilliant. On the mez, amazing, brilliant. Anybody else? Amazing, right at the back, you've got your hand, brother. Let me tell you, and God sees it way more than I see. Amazing. Hey, Liverpool One Church, you can bring your hands down. Can we just show a great big Liverpool One Church welcome to all of those that have chosen to follow Jesus today and have chosen to come home back into the Father's heart, into the Father's family. Now come on, church, we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna worship together. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com.
Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.